Pac-12 is included in three top 25 matchups this week. Out to the KDUS hotline we go. We're now joined in the zone by pa- by Ted Robinson of Pac-12 Networks. And Ted, always good to have you show- on the show. And you've been covering this conference for a few years. Uh, is this the most good teams you've ever seen in the Pac-12? Yeah, Bob, it certainly is. In one year, at least in going back to the mid-'80s when I first started. I can't recall this depth. And it, and it, or it, it revolves really around the quarterbacks. And if you think, Bob, for years we watched – out in this part of the country, we watched an exodus of quarterbacks that went back east to play. Most recently, yeah. Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud, right? the top two guys in last year's draft. Well, now suddenly look who the top three quarterbacks in the league are this year. All three transferred. All three grew up back in the east or the south. And now Caleb Williams, Bo Nix, and uh, Michael Penix are playing out here. So I, I, I think you know it's, it's, a, it's a confluence of a lot of factors that have led to this being the deepest year in football. Okay, so speaking of Penix and Knicks, uh, the first real big game in the conference over the next few weeks. There's going to be like the next really big game probably in the next couple of weeks, but the first big game <laughs> is uh, Oregon at Washington this week. What what has impressed you the most about Oregon to this point of the season? Yeah, having seen them both, uh, I'll tell you, Bo Nix has absolutely impressed me more than than I imagined he would have, having just watched him occasionally on television. He's good. He's a better athlete. I think everybody who's watching him now should know that. He's a better athlete than you would expect looking at him. He throws the ball accurately. He can throw the deep ball. I mean, we, we rave about Penix with good cause, but I think Bo Nix, I, you know, Bob, I'd say I'm surprised. I've seen some mock drafts, and we understand that those are a lot of mock as well as draft in them. But I've seen a lot with <laughs> Bo Nix in the first round. Bo Nix in the first round. And again, that's not something mm-hmm. I would have imagined. So, He's impressed me. Um, Oregon secondary, which has been rebuilt a little bit, maybe better than I thought. And I think this game, a lot of this game will come down to whether Washington can run the ball. If they can run the ball and not, which we've seen them in, even in Arizona a couple of weeks ago, close game we saw, they were able to run enough to keep Arizona's defense honest. They'll have to do that against Oregon tomorrow. Okay. I, I still – this is, game was several weeks ago, but the Oregon-Texas Tech game still kind of is in my brain a little bit. <laughs> Uh-oh. They, they, are, they are playing on the road this week in Seattle, yeah. so should I just forget about that game in Lubbock and no. I'm okay with Oregon on the road? <laughs> no, you should, Bob, and I'll tell you the history of this one's scary because Oregon has won seven of the last eight games they've played in Seattle. That's incredible mm. in a heated yeah. – you know, you can look around the country, Bob. All the great rivalries, and this is, you know, this is Oregon, 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 Washington. Rather, is the hated rivalry. The, you never see one team win that many games in the other team's stadium like this. So that's the thing to me that I, I, you know, I'm just a human being that says Washington can't keep losing on their home field. Not when they're this good. Okay, Washington's offense obviously explosive. Defense not so good. <laughs> so, how much concern is there with the uh, with the Washington defense here? Yeah, that that that's an issue because like what I said about Oregon secondary being better, Washington's I think is still in a prove it mode. So, yeah, can Oregon throw the deep ball? Which you know they started the year their first couple of games, Oregon didn't show very much, and they threw Bo Nix threw a ton of short, quick underneath balls. And they've started to roll out the deep ball a little bit more. And here's the other thing. Bob, we've all seen this long enough. Both teams are coming off a bye. So you know they've targeted this game since last spring. 
They've circled it. And you know both teams have saved stuff for this game. So both will show things we've not seen yet. Well, you're tapping into my notes because that's the next thing I was going to bring up. Uh, they're both coming <laughs> yeah. off a bye. You're around coaches all the time. What do they do that extra week that they have the bye? Well, you know, it's funny. Um, in my time in, in the NFL, I, I know that's the word you'd hear every three minutes on the week where a team didn't play was self-scout. This was the week we're yeah. going to stop focusing on everybody else and actually just look at what we've done and where we need to be better and what else can we do. So I assume the college is, is something in the same mode. They have less hours, obviously, with players. But I would think that's it. And, and again, I just know because that's been, this has been such a conversation in the conference, Bob, in recent years, has been scheduling and teams playing uh, road games on short weeks, not having a bye before the big game. You know this was done intentionally, absolutely done intentionally. And, again, I guarantee that you know if these, both of these schools have had a separate file that kept on their – on, uh, you know, in their tablets or on their desktops for this game. And this is stuff we're putting in this file back in, at the end of spring ball. And we're not going to show anybody this until October 15th or 14th. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Talking Pac-12 with Ted Robinson. Okay, UCLA at Oregon. Uh, how has the UCLA defense become this good? Whoa. Well, Bob, that's the most stunning thing. And I, I was just at the Rose Bowl last Saturday. And yeah. I couldn't believe what I, I could not believe what I saw. I mean, that was by far the best defense I've ever seen a Chip Kelly team have, college or pro. Uh, they dominated the game. And uh, UCLA has a player, Layatu Latu, who wears number 15. If you watch the game tomorrow, watch him because he played last Saturday. It reminded me of watching Kayvon Thibodeau when he was at Oregon where this mm. one guy was, was dominating. He was wrecking the offensive game plan. They had to know where he was. They had to figure out how to try to block him. They couldn't ask one to block him. Uh, and so what UCLA did last week was they got pressure with three rushers, three rushing wow. six blockers. Now, that's partly on Washington State's offensive line, too. You have to say that. But still, I mean, you will win – 90% of the time, if you can pressure with three rushing and eight in coverage. So, again, to Oregon State now, can Oregon State counter that? Now, what the Beavers have that Washington State doesn't, you see, or Oregon State can run the ball. Danny Martinez is terrific. Fenwick's a good second back. So, UCLA is going to have to defend the run to, uh, tomorrow night, which they didn't have to against Washington State. But I will tell you this. If UCLA wins tomorrow night, Bob, they are – have a great chance to get to their UFC showdown with a lot yep. on the line. Because remember, UCLA does not play Washington, and they do not play Oregon. They have a huge schedule advantage this year. No doubt. Uh, Dante Moore, you saw him last week, obviously. But in two Pac-12 games, he's 37 for 79, less, less than seven yards per attempt. He's got a couple of pick sixes. Is he ready for Saturday night in Corvallis? Yeah, that's that to your question from the Washington Oregon game, I think that's the big one because the one road game he's played so far was at Utah, and that was a tough is a tough place to play. The crowd was great, and he struggled. Dante Moore struggled, so he's going to see a similar atmosphere tomorrow night in Corvallis. Um, yeah, right now he's probably playing ahead of when he should. Everyone raves at the UCLA coaches we were with last week. They all rave about his makeup. 
We actually spoke to him. Uh, UCLA allowed us to speak to him the day before the game. He's mature, poised, presents himself right. That's the way he's, he's handled himself in practices and in the locker room from everything we're told. On the field, as you mentioned, he's made some mistakes, the kind of mistakes right now that you know, it's, it's hard for a team to win big when the quarterback makes those kind of errors. So uh, I, I UCLA right now is in this weird position, again, for a Chip Kelly team where to be their defense. And their run game, because they can run the ball. Those are the two things they're going to have to carry them. Oregon State, 15-1 and in the last 16 games at home, and that loss was a winnable game last year against USC. You know, every team seems to be better at home, but why are, that, why are they that much better at home? Yeah, that's a, great, that's a great call. And I saw that note this week too, Bob, and I, I had forgotten that. And actually, the USC game, I called that one last year, which you're right, that was, that was there for them to win. Um, last yep. year they had the funky deal where half the stadium was shut down because they were renovating. Yeah. I've not yet been there this year to see the finished product, but the fans, they were great. And it's, you know, I, I, I do believe this year you have, well, I'll say this about the field. You know, one thing about Oregon State's football field that doesn't get talked about enough, it is a throwback football field, Bob. There's a crown on that field. And those of mm. us of age <laughs> remember yeah. when, AstroTurf, when AstroTurf became the norm in the 70s that for drainage reasons, the fields all had crowns, meaning there was basically a hump at the center of the field. And most of those have gone away. In the newer turf setups, most of the fields have been flat, not Corvallis. And you stand on the center of the field of the 50-yard line, and you look to the sideline, you're throwing the ball downhill. And it's, it's weird when you're not used to it. So I, I, I don't know how much that affects, because I've asked Jonathan Smith this question in recent years. And he's not sure either how much it affects visiting quarterbacks because you're not used to it. They are. Uh, but the other thing you can say is just like Washington. Okay, we got to try to see if we can reconnect with Ted, if we could reconnect with him. This is a problem at uh, this time in the morning in this segment, for whatever reason. Same thing happened yesterday, so... That's our problem, so hopefully we can fix that at some point. We'll try to reconnect with Ted here in just a second. Also, uh, when, when we're done with the, the Oregon State discussion, which we're pretty much done with the Oregon State discussion, uh, we'll get into a little USC and Notre Dame. And Ted certainly is uh, familiar with that because he's you know seen USC, and he went to Notre Dame uh, back in the day. Back with Ted, and uh, so the Oregon State thing, we were just kind of, we kind of wrapped up that as far as uh, yeah. you know that was the last part. I was going to get to that. So USC and Notre Dame, uh, you're familiar with USC, you've seen them. You're a little familiar with Notre Dame, being a Notre Dame guy. Uh, so first up is their hope for the USC defense that it improves, and what's up with the tackling? Bob, there you go. I, I watched. I was talking about this last night with our crew. We're here in uh, Spokane heading down to Pullman today for the, the game in Washington State tomorrow. But anyway, I watched the game twice last Saturday night. And the, the second half tackling by USC was atrocious. Arm tackling. Jonah Coleman was running through people like they, like they weren't there because they were trying to arm tackle him. That's not scheme. And I don't know if that's the defensive coordinator. That's the players. And, and how you change that is, is the magic question. But my goodness, it was, it was terrible. And, and I got to say, Bob, uh, I did the first two games at USC this year. We were at a USC practice, which not many people get a chance to do, but Lincoln Riley allowed it. They have more talent on defense this year than they did last year. 
they're not playing that way right now. That's very clear. Um, you know, they've, they've been exposed a little bit. They tossed up this freshman linebacker, Tackett Curtis, uh, raved about him in the spring, raved about him in fall camp. He got taken out of the game. Uh, Arizona was running right over uh, last Saturday mm-hmm. night. They had to take him out and play Shane Lee, the old, uh, old Alabama linebacker, who's a bigger body guy. But yeah, USC's, USC's defense is a problem. And I'll tell you what surprised me Saturday was their offensive line didn't have a great night. And this, to me, would be the one thing that Notre Dame can do to win the game tomorrow. Notre Dame's defensive line is pretty good. Uh, if they win that battle decisively against USC's O-line, that could swing the game. Notre Dame's really troubled because their wide receiver's position is very thin, very thin. And, you you know, Bob, you got to score points to beat USC. You're not going to beat them 17-14. So uh, can Notre Dame score 30-plus? That's going to be, to me, be a, a, a big question, given that their wide receiver position isn't, isn't a great amount of help for them right now. It's also Notre Dame's eighth game already without a bye. They don't have a bye until next week. Uh, they looked out of gas last week, I thought, against uh, against Louisville. Does uh, Do they refuel because it's a USC game this week at home? Yeah, that's a great question. And I've heard uh, – I didn't see the game last week because we were working, but I've heard that comment from a lot of my my close ones. It's the same thing. Notre Dame looked gas. And, um, yeah, they you know, play back-to-back roadies against teams that were fired up, teams that are playing well, coming off the Ohio State debacle. So, yeah, that, that's a fair – question look the usc rivalry is one of those having lived through it it means a ton to the students uh it means a ton to the alumni to the current players that's always a challenge because they're not a part of it (laughs) they've never been a part of it they've come here to play at this school for four years or so Uh, can you get them to buy in and i i think forever that has been a challenge on both sides for this game all right, you mentioned uh, you know, got the uh, U of A and the Washington State game tomorrow night. Uh, the U of A, they've uh, last couple of weeks, you know, they hung in there against Washington. I think they could have beaten USC. Uh, what does the U of A need to do to get over the hump, so to speak, and take that next step to win one, win one of these games? Yeah, that, that Bob, you hit it. That to me is that's the story of Arizona football right now. They are where Oregon State was about a year ago which is at some point you know you're getting better, you know you're improving, but at some point you have to win the close games. And Arizona hasn't quite gotten there yet. And I I truly felt last Saturday at the Coliseum, Arizona was the better team. Watching that game that night, watching it twice, Caleb Williams is the best player, and he won the game. But Arizona was the better team. So Jed Fish has things going right. Their defense is way better this year. They overhauled much of it. There's only, I think, three starters back from last year's team, and they're playing better. They're getting pressure. Uh, they have a really good linebacker. You'll see him if you watch the game number five, Jacob Manu, who's a Southern California kid. He's really blossomed as a sophomore. What do they have to do tomorrow? They can't let Washington State run the ball. The Cougars have struggled terribly to run. They've been one-dimensional, and you know, Arizona has to make sure that continues. And then, to me, the other test is going to be how does Cam Ward bounce back because this is a kid that last Saturday, uh, the, mm. the big the Heisman quarterbacks on one of the big shows, Leinert and Brady Quinn, we're starting to talk about him You know, nationally. Could he be in the Heisman race? And he went out and didn't play very well at the Rose Bowl last Saturday. So it's his first test. When your people are talking about you in that light, how do you rebound? Uh, Cam Ward has to rebound well for the Cougs tomorrow. 
One more thing about that U of A USC game. Were you surprised that Jed Fish didn't go for two in the win at the end of the first overtime? Yeah, you know, I was watching it live on an airplane, actually flying home, and I was like everybody. I was thinking, you know, do you do it here? Do you just go for the win here? Um, and I was, yeah. So I, you know, I was, I was mildly surprised. It wasn't an egregious thing, but I thought this is where you gamble right now, one play to win the game. Uh, I would, I loved his his. Um, explanation during the week, Jed Fish said, you know, if I were the offensive coordinator, I'd say, yeah, let's do it right here. But he said, my defense was playing well. And they were. The defense had done a nice job in that game uh, against the explosive offense. So he trusted it. And, uh, you know, ultimately the one play that they had run successfully, they had run that in the third overtime, the, the run, the toss play, they had run successfully all night. One lineman missed the block on USC's middle linebacker, Mason Cobbin. That's that, was but, but that's the problem when you get into college overtime. Now it becomes like penalty kicks in soccer. You know, it's, there's yeah. the margin of errors like that. It was one. It's literally one play. You miss the block on the one guy from USC that can tackle. That's not. That's not a good yeah, thing. Number thirteen, exactly. That's exactly <laughs> yeah. right. Mason Cobb. Mason Cobb's a good player. Good call, Bob. Yeah. Okay. One more quick thing. I think I'm obligated to ask this contractually at some point, I guess, probably somewhere in the fine print. ASU has one win. I'm not sure they win another game. Uh, Kenny Dillingham inherited a mess. There's no doubt about that. But there's some talent on this roster. Are you surprised they have just one win? Well, you know, and it's hard. This is hard, Bob, because I haven't seen them yet. I don't know if we'll see the Sun Devils. I'll see them in person, I should say, this year. I watched some of the Colorado games. They're playing. I mean, it's it's like watching Stanford right now. They're undermanned, but the kids are playing. And you've got to give the coach, first-year coach, in actually both cases, Stanford and Arizona State. You give them credit for that. Um, the quarterback thing is the difficulty. I mean, you can't revolve, you know, yeah. different quarterbacks every week. That, that to me, is just it. I, we, I'll talk to my blue in the face about this. It's Parcells' great line. If you have two quarterbacks, you have none. And, and Kenny's <laughs> had three this year. So so I, I'm, I'm intrigued at ASU, Bob, about Pine. Because Pine quarterback Notre Dame last year in some big games and yeah. and won. I mean, they won some big games. So to me, there's there's a reason there. Because Trent Borgay's a wonderful story. Great kid. We all know the story. Local walk-on. Drew Pine's a scholarship quarterback coming from Notre Dame. If he's not playing, I, I don't know what that's about. But to me, that's as an outsider, I'm hoping. All right, Ted, always good talking to you. Have fun in uh, Pullman and, uh, you know, escape Pullman successfully. That's just me talking <laughs> there. So, well, no, we love, we love Pullman. Go Cougs, go Beans. That's our conference. <laughs> uh, yeah, there you go. Okay, thanks, Ted. We'll talk again, I'm thanks, sure, during the season. Th- 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 thanks. Great, Bob. Thank you. Take care. All right, Ted Robinson, Pac-12 Networks. There you go. 